Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnebley and Toth. I just want to say to our listeners as we begin episode number 52 that it's too bad we didn't start rolling about uh, seven minutes before this because JG and I just had a fascinating discussion about the inherent uh, evil in people. Mm. And uh, actually probably would have been more box of oddities material now that I think about it so <laughs> yeah it's not it's not the uh, the uh, the perfect light-hearted topic to jump into right at the beginning but, but I, uh, I do have one of those oh good good I have a very dear dear friend from my time at Disney a woman named Tamara Goddard who's I think I've told you about her son is a huge fan of this uh, of this podcast so Tamara <clears throat> years ago like 95 96 uh, we worked together at Disney. She ends up going to the um, the Angels in Anaheim and working in the front office there. And she calls me and she says, "Hey, they're launching this new uh, rally for the for the uh, I think they were still the California Angels at that time." Okay. And it's it's uh, it's a plush um, monkey, and his <laughs> name is the Rally Monkey. Right. And. They launched this thing and, you know, everybody in the stands was waving this plush monkey. And then the, on the video board would be this this giant video. And you would hear my voice saying, <laughs> you know, behold the power of the rally monkey. And people would go crazy. <laughs> and the angels started using this thing and they started winning like nobody's business. And it made... Um, you know, it was national news. It was it was big sports news that this. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. this stupid rally monkey was actually uh, helping, seemingly, the Angels go on a winning streak. I did not know that was your voice. Well, I had actually. How did I not? How did I not know this? <laughs> I probably should have put it on my resume, but I remember. <laughs> and the this voice is a, of the rally monkey. A long time ago, but I, if I recall correctly, I didn't get paid anything, but they did. FedEx me a rally monkey. Well, there you go. And I remember opening the package and thinking, I might be the only voiceover talent in the history of this country and in this industry to be paid for a job with a plush monkey. <laughs> I'm, I've never been more proud to know you and call you my friend. So we clockwise forward to just last uh, Saturday night and... 
Tamara is at an Angels game and she mm-hmm. texts me, Linz, you won't believe this. They're using the rally monkey voice again. I'm so sorry I did that to you. <laughs> and I said, you know what? This is perfect because this is going to make for a great shallow end intro. Yeah, that's great. Maybe uh, you could demand a second plush monkey. Tell them you wore out your plush monkey. Yeah, and now now I need now we're at the point of residuals. I need a residual <laughs> monkey. Yes, you do. God bless free enterprise. Well, I want to stress that my story is one of I think one of the funnier stories I've I've had in in this past year. The subject I I, I just want to start by saying because this involves. Uh, uh, excuses for people who have been pulled over for DUI. The the subject of DUI is not at all funny. Right. And I just want to stress right off the top that it's not only one of the worst crimes you could commit, it's also one of probably the single most preventable things. Uh, there's just absolutely zero, flat, no excuse for a DUI. Right. Driving drunk, like you said, is not funny, but uh, stupid people are. Stupid people are. That's why this show exists. Mm-hmm. And man, am I loaded to the gills with, with stupid people. Well, if you're loaded to the gills, don't get behind the wheel, my friend. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. Wait till, those, uh, wait till you, you sweat that out or, or sleep it <laughs> off. Mm-hmm. So this is, a, this is a, actually from a, a, a website called uh, policeone.com. And this this cop has been at it a fair number of years. And he collected his six best DUI excuses. Now, this isn't even the shallow end part. I'm just, I'm just setting this up by, by pointing out how people have, probably for as long as there has been such a thing as, as crime, people have come up with some really lame excuses <laughs> for why they've committed a crime. So this first one takes place on a cold December night, and this cop says he responds to a car that is wrapped around a tree in someone's front yard. Ooh. Driver miraculously unharmed, but the sound of that impact, the the car crashing into the tree, actually wakes up the owner of the house. And as the cop in the street is doing a field sobriety test on the driver, the homeowner, whose tree has been hit throws open his window from the second story and says, hey, dumbass, what are you thinking trying to drive home drunk? And without a second thought, drunk guy turns over his shoulder and yells back at the homeowner, look, pal, when I'm this drunk, I walk real slow so I don't stumble and fall. It's too cold out. If I walk slowly, I'd freeze to death, so I had no choice but to drive and save my life. (laughs) Which I thought was pretty inventive. That's creative. I'll give him, give him that. Given that, he gets points for creativity. His second story, somewhat early in the night, guy, uh, I pull a guy over for speeding around here. We have a script for traffic stops. So I did the whole, hello, I'm officer so-and-so with the PD. The reason I'm pulling you over is for going 18 miles over the limit. I'm going to need to see your license. Is there any reason for speeding tonight? Driver's fumbling with his wallet. I can smell the alcohol coming off him. Yet he still looks me right in the eye and says, matter-of-factly, Officer, my wife and I are having trouble getting pregnant. She texted me her temperature is in the range the doctor told us for optimal baby-making. I need to get home and have sex right now to increase our chances of having a baby. Unquote. Wow. Yeah. Good one. Number three, in the winter here in Wisconsin, we have a number of overnight parking rules to help make sure snowplows can clean streets 
as best they can. Therefore, on many major roads, there's no parking between 3 and 6 a.m. One snowy night, a guy ends up getting his car trapped in a snowbank. I arrive, end up asking him to do sobriety tests. Halfway through the process, he blurts out, well, you know, I only drove home because I can't afford another parking ticket. Now you're going to screw me over with another DUI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Screwing him over with another DUI. Another DUI. How many times are you going to bust me for DUI? <laughs> this is getting old, officer. Number four, around 10 p.m., we get a call about a car parked in the middle of the road of the industrial park. I arrived to find it occupied by a person passed out behind the wheel. He works third shift at one of the industrial plants and tells me, officer... I'm trying to be responsible. My boss said if I miss any more shifts this year, I'm going to be fired. Yeah, I got a little drunk at a family get-together, so I drove up here to sleep it off before my shift starts at 11 p.m. I even set my watch alarm to get me up before I have to punch in the clock. That's honest, at least. I, You know, you got to admire not that. not lying about anything. Yeah. Number five, I pull a vehicle over going the wrong way on a one-way street. As I approach the driver and ask why he's going the wrong way, he said the GPS told him to go down the street in the wrong direction. Later at the police department, as I'm processing him, he gets all upset, yelling, quote, you know, the only reason I was driving was that I needed the GPS to find my hotel. Then the GPS sends me the wrong way down the street and I get busted. This is ridiculous. (laughs) And the last one. This one's sad because he says, I've been told this over a dozen times. Typically, the car has a number of people in it and the alleged drunk driver oftentimes will say, I only drank beer or I never did shots. Um, And in this particular case, this is what this guy says. Well, I normally drink whiskey, but because I was designated driver tonight, I only drank a bunch of clear stuff, you know, like half a bottle of vodka. (laughs) Yeah, because the color is what you need to fear. It's not the amount of alcohol. It's the color that uh, Mm -hmm. that's that's what's going to trip you up. So this leads us just perfectly to an incident that actually happened not uh, but just a few weeks ago in Springfield, Colorado. I'd never heard of Springfield, Colorado, but it's a fairly small town and it's in the southeastern corner of Colorado. It's actually pretty close to the borders of Oklahoma and Texas. It's a Saturday night, it's 1130, and the Springfield Police Department uh, has cops out you know, keeping things chill. And there's a cop who's driving in a 30 mile per hour zone, but he sees a car going the other direction and he has his radar going and he clocks the guy at 52 miles an hour. So that's that's quite a bit over 30 miles an hour. I would say. So the cop pulls a U-turn, gets behind the car, lights it up, guy pulls over. Now, as the cop is getting out of the car, he's looking through the back window and he sees something that he has actually seen before, which is the driver switching places with the passenger. Oh, boy. The old, let's tell him you were driving and not me trick. So the cop knows what's going down, but thinks, well, I guess I better see who the real driver, quote unquote, was. So he turns on his flashlight and walks over to the driver's door and he sh- <laughs> he shines the light through the window prepared to say would you roll down your window please do you have your driver's license registration but <laughs> he doesn't get that far jg <laughs> why 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 lens why is this well i'm glad you asked jg it's because he sees sitting behind the wheel 
The driver's dog. <laughs> did he have a little did he have a jaunty driver's cap on and they don't say but i i immediately pictured a little chauffeur's cap he's got driving gloves that are made specifically for his paws right give him a good grip on that on that steering wheel now before we go any further i i, I when i first read this i actually had to read it a couple of times because i thought this this is I'm misreading this. You you don't actually expect a cop to buy that your your dog was driving because you had too much mm-hmm. to drink. But before we go any further, I was just thinking, I wonder what the dog was thinking <laughs> when the driver switched places. When he said, "Let's switch places," was the dog thinking, "Wait, no, 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 no! I don't even have a license. I don't have a license on me." Or was he thinking, "This is so cool. Why have we never switched seats before?" Or was he thinking, man, the steering wheel is huge. How do you even see over this thing? <laughs> so the cop goes back over to the guy, and it's pretty clear right away that this driver is three sheets. I mean, he is messed up. Mm. And again, praise be to God, he hadn't he hadn't gotten in an accident, hurt anybody else. But the cop actually says, so, buddy, do you expect me to believe that your dog was driving the car? No answer. Cop asks, how much he had to drink tonight? No answer. In a statement, the police say the male party showed clear signs of intoxication. And when asked about his alcohol consumption, the male party attempted to run from the officer. (laughs) Hey, I had a couple of drinks, but the dog, you know, he had more. (laughs) And anyway, I got to go. So he makes a run for it and makes it only 20 yards and uh, is now is now detained. Now, did he stumble into a hedge? One would wonder, I, I actually thought, okay, if you're that drunk, I, I'm guessing your, your running form was probably not, <laughs> not all that good. <laughs> this is, this is nothing to do with your story, but it, it reminded me of an, of a situation that I experienced as a young person. Uh, we were having one of those, uh, high school parties, you know, where a couple of people whose houses were side by side, their parents were gone. Right. And, uh, people would just go back and forth between these two houses. And, um, there was a big hedge there. And my friend Mitch kept going back and forth and uh, through the hedge. He, yeah, we, we, we all were. And uh, I said, I'm going over. I'm going back over to the other house. And he's like, all right, I'll, I'll come over in a little bit. And an hour went by and two hours went by. And I'm like, I, I, I should go Mitch? see where, where Mitch is. And I got to the hedge and he was passed out in an upright standing position <laughs> mid stride in the hedge. <laughs> Mitch, you Okay. <laughs> Was the hedge damaged in any way or? Oh, we trashed it. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know what? Better, better, <laughs> better stuck in a hedge than driving a car, right? That's true. Yeah. That is very true. Somebody got hurt. So they, they <clears throat> start interviewing this guy down at the, uh, uh, well, actually they, they didn't even get to the police station. They run the guy's name and they find out that he also has two active warrants out for his arrest in Pueblo, Colorado. But then they discover that this guy was trying to drive from Las Animas, Colorado, to Pueblo, Colorado, which is completely the other direction. These two cities are the total opposite direction from Springfield. So not only is this guy lost, he is driving 180 degrees in the wrong 
direction. And he's got two active warrants out for his arrest. Did, did he blame the dog for the uh, misdirection? <clears throat> We're going to get to that. The, the Bent County Sheriff's Office then arrives to assist. They take the subject to a uh, hospital to medically clear him. And then he gets booked into, into jail. So the police, uh, and this is why I, I actually thought of Cat when I heard this story, when I read it the first time, because I thought, Cat's going to say, cut to the chase. What happened to the dog? Is the dog okay? <laughs> and in fact, the police were so cool that they, they said to the guy, hey, you probably have a friend who this dog knows. You know, we'll bring the dog with us to the police station. Have your friend come and get the dog, which is, which is what happened. But the, the police, the, I just loved their, their sense of humor about this. They said, you know, we take DUI very seriously. Uh, the suspect has been charged with driving under the influence of alcohol and or drugs, driving while ability impaired, driving under suspended license, speeding 20 to 20 miles over and resisting arrest. Then they add, the dog was given to an acquaintance of the driver to take care of while the party was in jail. It's important to note at this time, the dog does not face any charges and was let go with just a warning. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was very generous and thoughtful of them. And I'm sure as the dog's getting the warning, he's thinking, you know, this wasn't even my freaking idea, right? <laughs> I was minding my own business, taking a nap in the passenger seat, and all of a sudden we're switching places and I wasn't party to this. I asked him many times to let me drive, and he always said no. But now... Now, when it's convenient for him, sure. Now put <laughs> me behind the wheel. I got this from the Daily Mail, PoliceOne.com, and the Facebook page of the Springfield, Colorado Police Department. Do not drink and drive, and for God's sake, if you do, don't try and pin it on your dog. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class part of the Airwave Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir de zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. 
You've heard of Google Glass and other smart glasses. They're computers that put real-time data right in front of your eyes. Have you ever wanted to see the world through a humorous lens? Well, now you can with our revolutionary comedy goggles. These innovative eyewear will turn even the dullest of moments into laugh-out-loud experiences. So you're sitting in a boring meeting, the boss is droning on and on, and everyone's struggling to stay awake. But wait, just slip on your comedy goggles and suddenly your boss has a clown nose, a curly wig, and a squeaky voice. You won't be able to contain your laughter. You see, comedy goggles are equipped with state-of-the-art humor recognition technology. They'll detect even the most mundane situations and instantly upgrade them with hilarious animations and sound effects. Walking down the street becomes a side-splitting slapstick routine. Ordering at a fast food drive-thru turns into a stand-up comedy routine with the employees as the stars. Your daily commute becomes a comedy club on wheels. Worried about laughing inappropriately in public? Don't be. Our patented Giggle Sync technology ensures your laughter matches perfectly with the enhanced reality you're experiencing. Your genuine laughter will be contagious. So what are you waiting for? Step into a world of hilarity with the Comedy Goggles. Call our toll-free number now and order your pair for just $19.99. Be one of the first 100 callers and we'll throw in a bonus set of chuckle contact lenses absolutely free. Remember, life's too short to take seriously. Get your Comedy Goggles today and let the laughter begin. The email address, JG is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. JG, if you'd ever like to send an email to the lifeguard, you you are welcome as well. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. The same email address works for you as well as all of our listeners. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. That's how we roll here on the shallow end. This one comes to us from a uh, gentleman named Mark who says, Hey, guys, love the podcast. I think I've got a pretty good story for you. This isn't exactly my story. It actually happened to be my former sister-in-law. But I was there, and I'm divorced from her sister, and she's long divorced from the guy in the story, so what the heck? I'm going to share it with you guys. (laughs) Several years ago, my then sister-in-law, we'll call her Marie, was getting married in a Las Vegas chapel. The thing you need to know about Marie is, ever since she was a teenager, she had her reputation as, shall we say, not always being the nicest of people. In Hmm. fact, she could get downright mean when things didn't go her way. So several years ago, Marie and her fiancé, decided they were going to get married in Vegas. For her wedding, me, my then wife, uh, parentheses Marie's sister, her parents and her brother all flew out to Vegas to see her get married. On the day of her wedding, Marie was a nervous wreck. And by nervous wreck, I mean a seething rage monster. (laughs) That day before the wedding, Marie was biting the head off anyone who dared even look at her funny. Now, you could certainly chalk a bit of that behavior up to wedding day jitters, but you'd also think that sort of attitude might calm down once the ceremony was over and she was now married. Not so fast, my friends. Mm-mm. We all went to the chapel and watched Marie get married, after which we were all supposed to go to dinner together at a steakhouse inside the Paris Casino. Now, picture Marie looking lovely in her wedding dress and her husband looking handsome in his tux. The two of them led our little family parade through the casino toward the restaurant, and that was when we all passed a gentleman leaning against the bar. That man called to congratulate the happy couple and offered to buy them a drink. Isn't that sweet? Oh. Now, some people at that point may have graciously accepted such a generous offer, or at the very least, politely declined. In the case of my former sister-in-law, she decided to go for a third option, the Marie option. That was when she turned and shrieked at the man both loudly and rudely, no, at the top of her lungs while staring (laughs) daggers at him. This was loud enough to be heard echoing throughout the noisy casino and turned more than a few heads in her direction. But Marie, being Marie, paid this no mind, and instead she turned around and stomped away. Now, it was at this point where I dashed ahead 
and caught up with her and asked her if she happened to know who that gentleman was she just snapped at. She stopped, blinked, looked at me and said, no, who is he? And I said, that was Lou Rawls. Legendary 70s soul singer Lou Rawls. One and the same. You'll never find. So she shouted down Lou Rawls. Yeah, yeah, wow. not because she knew who he was, but because he was he was kind <laughs> enough to offer to buy her and her new groom a drink. How dare he? Marie just gave me a blank look and said, who's that? <laughs> to which I replied, he's headlining the casino tonight. Marie then turned beet red with embarrassment to her credit. She did turn around, and go back to Mr. Rawls and apologize for her rude behavior. And he did indeed buy <laughs> her and her new husband a drink. Wow. That story to this day still makes me laugh as a little coda to it. I'd like to point out that I offered to take videos we shot that day of Marie's wedding and turn it into a lovely wedding video for the happy couple to enjoy. This is something I gladly did because it gave me the opportunity to pick the musical soundtrack, which of course meant that the background music I picked was You'll Never Find Another Love Like Mine by the talented Mr. Lou Rawls. Hmm. I hope you enjoyed the story as much as I love telling it. Thanks again for making me laugh week after week. Kindest regards. Thank you, Mark. And we appreciate you using anything that promotes the career of Lou Rawls. That was hilarious thank you mark god i would love to meet lou rolls he was in harold melvin in the blue notes right i think so yeah yeah, yeah. That sounds right yeah uh and he was also the voice of uh, I, I think it i think it was pre-bud light i think it was i think it was budweiser beer that's pretty impressive but it's no plush monkey well you're right mm. you're right it's hard to, it's hard to beat a plush <laughs> monkey <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Rawls passed back in 2006, but his, uh, God, his music catalog is just, is just amazing. When Johann Rawl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, Stakuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. You're in the shallow end with Schnapply and Toth. Lindsay, you know, most of the time on the shallow end, we talk about ridiculous decisions made by, let's say, the common man, the regular Joe, the guy we might see walking down the street. 
Good way to put it. But stupid people exist in all ranks of our society, and today we're going to discuss one of them. Nikolai Ceausescu. Hmm. The master of oppression and control in Romania, a guy whose insatiable ego led to some pretty dire consequences. When you said the name, I thought, not that Ceausescu. Yeah, that Ceausescu. Yep. Wow, okay. Ceausescu's reign, which lasted for more than two decades, was a never-ending magic show, except the, the tricks were all about him tightening his grip on power. Um, he did know how to pull some rabbits out of his hats, but some rabbits out of his hat, but instead of adorable little bunnies, it was like censorship, economic misjudgment, and human rights violations. Abra freaking Kadabra. Yeah, he was he was brutal, wasn't he? He was, yes, he yeah. was. This is a world where he created this, where thoughts were controlled, your words were silenced, your dreams were crushed. Ceausescu had it all figured out, using all of his ways to manipulate the population to keep himself in power and the citizens under his thumb. So we're guessing that podcasts would probably not have been a very popular thing back then. Probably <laughs> Living not. under no. his regime. Hey, no. uh, I'd like to do a podcast and have people listen to it all over the world. No, you can't unless it's to glorify me. Now I'm going to kill you. Things get really dark and twisted. Ceausescu didn't just stop at mind games. He cranked up the control to 11. Um, he was a puppet master, and he pulled all the strings, forcing people to do whatever his bidding was. And one infamous example of when he did this was a forced rally. He thought it'd be a swell idea to gather all the citizens together at gunpoint to honor him. <laughs> Who does that? We'll just edit the photo so that we don't see the, the soldiers standing around the, uh, around the crowd. <laughs> Who does that? It's like forcing somebody to eat a whole cake to prove they like dessert. It doesn't make sense. Doesn't work. So let's, let's talk a little bit about this rally. He's strutting around, you know, preening and telling people how great he is. And um, he's thinking, what better way for me to bask in glory than to hold a grand rally in adoration of me? And so his ego, of course, knowing no bounds, he didn't settle for a regular old voluntary rally. Oh, no, that would be too easy. He decided to go all in and force all of the citizens to participate. Well, I guess if your ego is that big, there's no sense in ordering just, say, half the citizens to show up. You're right. If yeah. you're going to go to the trouble and expense of, you know, <laughs> using your military to, to round up people, you might as well round up virtually every citizen you can, right? And that's exactly what he did. He had a, a list of things that he used. Intimidation, check. His uh, goons would give you a stern warning and look you in the eye and say, be there or else. I bet that was pretty, pretty effective. Threats? Oh, yeah. Ceausescu knew how to play hardball. He, he would uh, insinuate, he would never come right out and say things, but he would insinuate that bad things would happen if yeah. you didn't show up. Yeah, it would be um, a shame if you didn't attend my rally because... Yeah. nice legs you got there. Be a shame if they were broken. <laughs> but there's even more. He wasn't content with just scaring people into submission. He took things even a step further. He rounded up citizens from all regions at gunpoint, packed them on buses like sardines, and shipped them off to the rally in Bucharest. Good grief. Imagine that. 
You know, you're just, you're at home, you're sitting around the fire with your family and there's a, a knock on the door <laughs> and there's soldiers with guns say, we got a bus for you. Come on. That's what happened. There was this huge assembly of people in the city center waiting for Ceausescu to make his speech and strut around and bask in his glory. But somebody started chanting down with Ceausescu. Wow, that was gutsy. It's very gutsy. And then more people started chanting down with Ceausescu. And a small pocket of chanters spread across the entire crowd until it became a roar down with Ceausescu. Wow. This is cinematic. Fearing for his life, he retreated with his family inside the building. So those chants in the city center echoed throughout the streets. Pretty soon banners were waving from balconies and more protests sprung up all over the city. And in the end, this, the, the symphony of resistance hit a crescendo that shook Ceausescu's regime to its core. The rallies, the protests, the collective voice of the people, they all played a part in bringing down the curtain on this reign of madness that had, as I mentioned before, lasted for two decades. Isn't that incredible that the hubris, your own ego, would ultimately lead to your downfall, that you actually brought it on yourself? He brought it on himself, That's and it started wild. with one guy chanting down with Ceausescu, and it became this movement. It, talk about David versus Goliath. Sure. Ceausescu's security forces, armed to the teeth, they were ready to defend their leader, soon found themselves facing an army of fed-up citizens. Um, crowds filled the streets, chanting, waving flags, demanding an end to Ceausescu's rule. The roar of the people drowned out anything that was that Ceausescu was trying to tell them. And then, very quickly, came a moment that sealed Ceausescu's fate. A hasty trial took place. They arrested him, and the former dictator and his wife were found guilty of crimes against the people. And the verdict? Execution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So on uh, Christmas Day, 18, uh, 1989, Ceausescu's dictatorship drama reached its grand finale. The once mighty ruler was brought down, the final act of a tragic comedy that had held Romania captive for, for so long. So the story of Nicolae Ceausescu, it's a grim reminder to keep your ego in check, for God's sake. This guy, he wasn't happy with the size of his crowds. They had yeah. to be bigger. And so... It got to a point where he had so much control that he sent his military armed with guns. It forced people on buses to go to Bucharest to cheer him on. And that ultimately led to his death in the larger picture of things. That's amazing. Nikolai Ceausescu. Eh, not the greatest guy. Mm. My source information, history.com, biography, the BBC, and the Times. Wow. I didn't remember that, J.G. I, I remember his reign of terror, but I didn't remember that that's what ultimately brought him down. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I remember reading about it. I, I think I was covering the news for a radio station I was working for at the time, and I remember reading about it and having to practice how to say Nikolai Ceausescu. Yeah. So when I saw it, I went, oh, I can put that tool into practice again. That was the end of 89. Wouldn't, wouldn't that have been... No, you would have left uh, Christmas of 89. You wouldn't have been in Tucson anymore. Yeah, I was in Orlando. In Orlando, yeah. Working working in Orlando. I had just left, in fact, like October yeah. of that year. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Crazy stuff. 
I don't want to be accused of um, just picking on the, the common man. No. I think uh, we should be equal opportunity picker honors. It's, it's healthy to point out that uh, our so-called leaders are often shallow and dwellers themselves. <laughs> yes. This is beautifully put, my friend. <laughs> we appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on The Shallow End. Shallow End is, uh, well, it's, it's a podcast that uh, celebrates stupidity in an effort to um, increase your self-esteem. When you realize just how many stupid people are out there, you're bound to feel a little bit better about yourself. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com is the email. Love to hear from you guys. Uh, you can send us your stories, your comments, whatever you got in mind. We love it. We're ready for them. And we'll see you next time. Make sure you make good choices. Your life might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebly and Toff. We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Okay, gotta go.